This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. And a pleasant good evening to everyone. Hope everyone's doing okay. My name is Keith Williams. I'm the host of The Works, where anything goes and just about everything goes. If you have a story to tell, you got a business, a nonprofit, whatever your taste is, we talk about it here on The Works. And so we have Kim Sorrell as our guest today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to talking to you, Keith. I love your show. Everyone should have it on their top 10 of their podcast list and listen to you all the time. Oh, I'm flattered. <laughs> well, it's true. It's so good. Um, so Kim, uh, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 18 years old, right out of high school. I am a mother of five, a grandmother of 11. I run a nonprofit organization. I am a writer, a speaker, do a couple of things. I've coached um, basketball, volleyball. And, but the thing that, that is nearest and dearest to my heart now, the thing that I'm, I'm very passionate about is that I dedicated a year to figuring out the true meaning of love. And I found it. And I'm excited about what I found to change my life. And I believe it's going to change the world. Um, I'm very intrigued, uh, you know, about the last thing that you said. Can you go into, you know, further detail about that? Sure. Yeah. So a few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he passed away six weeks after that. And I was in love with that man. I, I loved him so much. And it made me though question after losing him and losing what I thought my future was and having to reinvent and figuring out now what is it that I'm going to do? Uh, it made me question love, the real meaning of love. And if I was doing it right, you know, it seems to be the secret, right? This mystery that surrounds love. There are so many songs written about it. You can't help but turn on the radio and there's going to be a song about love or there's going to be movies about love or TV shows or whatever it is, but sort of this mystery about what is it really, you know, people try have tried to define it for uh, ever and have had a hard time coming up with a real definition and people kind of argue over what it is and is it different depending on who you love and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to figure it out. And so I took this 2000 year old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings, you hear at a lot of different things. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. And I decided I would take one word a month and figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And so I was mainly living in Haiti when I was working on it, which I think kind of gave it a whole different flair. But the things that I found out about love rocked my world. It, it blew my mind. Things that I thought I knew what love was and until I went on this journey and figured out so many things that I'd been taught about love, heard about love, read about love, were not love at all. The, 
the love is so much different than I think most of us know. So wait a minute, let me get this straight. You mean all the 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 songs, you know, about love? I'm 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 trying to see if I heard I'm trying to see if I I heard you right. Uh, so you mean tell me that all the songs you hear about love and the movies there about love is not really what love is? I think that there are parts and pieces of love, but right. Most everything you hear about love is is not right. It's it's not what love is. Uh, can you give me some examples? Sure. So one thing that we hear about love often is that love is a two-way street. And love is not. Love is a one-way street. So if I give you money and you give me a pair of jeans, that's a transaction. If I give you love to get love, the two-way street love, then that's a transaction. That is not love. Love is 100% up to you and only you. We, we don't control other people. We have no control over anybody. When we have a baby, we have complete control, right? We bring that baby home from the hospital and we decide when that baby eats, when we bathe that baby, when we put that baby in the crib. But then a few months go by, six, seven, eight months, and pretty soon your Tupperware is all over your kitchen floor and your pots and pans are banging everywhere. And you realize you have lost total control and you will never get it back again. We only control ourselves. So love is something we control. The love that we give is 100% on us. The minute you start giving love to receive love and make it a transaction, that just leads to heartache and disappointment. And people will, will fail you in that. Your expectations will get you in trouble. But when you give love just because that's what love does, love gives, period, then it is the most freeing, wonderful experience. The best possible way you can live is to just give love freely with zero expectations of receiving anything in return. <clears throat> that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting because uh, I know of two, uh, I know of two popular uh, songs uh, you know, that deals with, you know, what you're talking about. And, you know, both of them are titled uh, Love on a Two-Way Street. And they kind of explain, you know, what that was. But after hearing you uh, <clears throat> breaking down that concept, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, I never really thought about that. That if, you know, love is a two-way street, it's not really love is is something transactional, you know, which means I'm expecting something in return. Is that right? Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Okay. But you have no control over that, right? Uh, so, so, so let me ask you something. <clears throat> if I was to love someone, you know, unconditionally, would that cause that other person to reciprocate? Well, love is kind of special that way. And that quite often when you give it, you get it in return, but not always. And that, that's where the problem lies is, is if you are giving love to get love, you're not 100% sure that that's what's gonna happen. 
love typically does give love back. When people are loved, they, they want to love back. I mean, that, that's a typical response, but not everybody. And, and again, it's nothing that you can control. And so if you, if you live that way and you, you're, you're kind to people, you show love that is kind to people, hoping that then they'll do something kind back, that's not love. Just like as, if you give love, your love should always be unconditional. That, that's one thing. You know, the reason people put conditions on love is because you think that it's something that, you can, that can come and go. Well, love isn't an emotion like fear or excitement. You know, fear comes and goes. Thank goodness fear comes and goes, right? You watch a scary movie and oh my word, you know, that night you go to bed and every little sound you hear and, and you're living in that fear, but you don't stay there. You don't stay living in that fear or excitement. You know, you go to the greatest party, you have so much fun, you go to Disney World, whatever, it's so exciting. If you don't live in Disney World, you don't live in that excitement. Love is something you live in. Love is something you are. Love is walking, talking, giving, living, breathing. Love is all encompassing. It's not something that you go to the office and you hang it up in the coat closet or you go home and you uh, you get it out until somebody leaves their underwear on the bathroom floor, then you take it back again. Love is constant. It's always there. It shouldn't be based on, on a condition of, well, I will love you if you love me, or I will love you if you behave in a certain way. Then that's not love. Then that's acceptance or that's probably a whole lot of other words that you can put to it but love is not one of them yeah i i definitely hear that you, you know all the time you know and they say okay well uh here are you know the conditions you know of our relationship i'm like wait a minute i mean you know we're supposed to be in a relationship not a contract I'm this this sounds like a contract to me i mean you know, I don't, I don't want to, uh, it's like I'm signing my life away. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. It's funny, right? And, you know, you think about it, like if, if we were to talk even just about couples love for a minute and, and how you, you're attracted to somebody and you are infatuated by them and, and you fall in love with them and, you know, falling in love means you fall out of it, which is kind of a funny term to me too, but but you know, it's a term that, that people know. So you you just, this love for this person, you just have, and, and you cannot wait to spend the rest of your life together. And then you say, I do. And then all of a sudden, there you are in, in real life. <laughs> and, and there's the dirty socks and there's the pile of laundry and there's the dishes in the sink. And then there's the, well, shoot, you know, it's your job to take out the trash. Well, you forgot to take out the trash. Well. Why did I get married? This guy's driving me crazy. You know, all those little things that, that can happen that all of a sudden we think, God, do we really love them? But love should not be based on what people do. It, you love the person for who they are. And, and actions that are deep, that are meaningful, like, like, like you probably would never go to the store and steal a pack of gum because that's who you are. You're an honest guy. You're not going to go to the store and steal a pack of gum. I'm not going to do it either. That, that's who you are. Leaving your socks on the floor, that's just a habit. You know, that's just that's something that you do, but it's not who you are. And so often we get wrapped up in the, 
things that people do instead of the things that people are, that we think that our love should be conditioned on something, but it, it shouldn't. We love people because of who they are and, and not because of the little things that they do that drive you crazy. So it shouldn't ever be taken away because there's something that's driving you nuts. You know, love, love should remain, love should still be there. You can work through the other stuff, but the love remains. Uh, you know what I kind of blame that on? I kind of blame that on the so-called reality TV shows, which I don't watch at all. <laughs> I hate, I can't stand them. Uh, I'm, pro I'm, I'm pretty sure you know, uh, you know, some of the names I'm going to bring up. Uh, let's see. Uh, 90 Day Fiance. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> it does. Okay. Love and Hip Hop. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't watch them because, uh, you know, I don't watch them because, uh, you know, several reasons, you know, and, uh, you know, what you're talking about is definitely one of them. Another thing that I have a problem with is that uh, uh, there seems to be, uh, it seems to be two incarnations of, you know, of feminism. Are you aware of that? Uh, tell me about that. Um, so, um, so, on one half of the spectrum, you have this instance where uh, <clears throat> you had this, you know, instance to where uh, women, uh, you know, are supposed to, you know, go outside of their, you know, traditional roles, which I don't have, a, you know, which I don't have a problem, you know, problem with that. If a woman wants to work, you know, in an auto mechanic shop, you know, if, if she's, uh, you know, trained properly, you know, I don't see any problem with that. But that's not, that's not what the problem lies in. The, the, the problem that I have, you know, with it is, is the um, expectations that they have on other people. Especially when it comes to love. There, there are so many expectations and so many conditions you know, that people have to make that uh, for some is unrealistic. Like, for example, uh, you know, I had to have a certain job, making a certain amount of money, have a certain car, you know, have a certain house. You know, for a lot of people, that's not realistic, you know, to them. I'm sure you've been watching the news. We're dealing with you know, we're dealing with an economic crisis here, okay? And let's be real, a person that making $15 an hour in today's standard cannot even afford a one-bedroom apartment. You know, so if we're basing love based on, you know, what I have and what I don't have, I'm probably going to be single for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know? Right. You know, and that part scales the, uh, you know, that part, you know, really concerns me. You know, and that's where you have some feminists that, you know, that's how they, you know, talk. You know, I got, got to get mine, you know, and I got to have his too. That's not how, 
that's not how it works. You know, that's not how it works. Oh, and don't get me started about this 50 50 thing. <laughs> that's that's a myth. You know, you know, if I get 50 percent here, you're supposed to get, you know, 50 percent there. Now nah, that that doesn't work neither. But then some people will say, uh, well, okay, uh, you know, I, I'm giving 80, but you only given 20. You know, well, that's not gonna work neither. I mean, so so how do you feel about that? You know, does does that make sense to you? Or yeah, I'm just well, rambling. Right. Yeah, you've said a couple of things there. One is the whole 50-50 thing. I totally agree. Love doesn't have a number. You can't put a number on love. Uh, it's not 100-100. It's not 80-20. It's not 50-50. Love doesn't have a number. Love, love is love, period. Sometimes we make things so complicated when they're really, really simple. And sometimes we oversimplify things when you got to give a little bit more thought to it. But with the whole you know, feminism thing, whatever, I say live and let live. If, if somebody wants to do whatever job it is that they want to do, great. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about love is that, that love, when you love, truly love the way love is supposed to be, you recognize that different opinions are great. There's nothing wrong with somebody having a different opinion than yours. You know, if the whole world was full of me, it would be a boring place. Either that or I would be fighting with myself all the time. I'm not sure which, but it wouldn't be great. Like different opinions are good. That, that keeps us in check. That helps us out. And it's okay to have a different opinion. And love would say that, that if you truly love the way you should love, then you love yourself enough to, to let yourself be who you believe you're created to be. So whatever job that is, what, whatever that means for you, that, that's what that means for you. And at the same time, you then let everybody else in the whole world be whoever it is they're created to be, whoever it is they believe they're created to be. And it can be so easy to be critical, right? To be judgmental, to you know, condemn people for whatever. And with love, there's, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no room for discrimination. There's no racism. There's only realizing that we are all walking our two feet on the same earth. We're all at the same level. And there is only beauty in our differences. And it doesn't mean you got to be everybody's best friend. Every personality isn't going to be a personality that you're going to go, wow, I just want to be with this person all the time, right? That, that's not going to happen. But you don't withdraw your love just because you're not wild about certain things about their personality. You might not like them, but, but you can still love people. And nobody has walked in the same two pair of shoes. Nobody, nobody. So there is only one of you, Keith, you are the only one that is exactly like you in, in the whole world, whoever has been, whoever will be. You are the only one of you. So for me to judge you in any way, is, is silliness because I haven't walked in your shoes. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know where you come from. Even if I'm a great friend of yours, I still can't judge you because I still have never walked in your shoes. Even if I've known you my whole life, you still have a different walk than I have. And you still have a different calling on your life, a different reason for being here, a different uh, identity 
you're your own special, incredible, unique human being. And so for me to expect you to be any different than who you are or try to put my, uh, what I want you to be on you is, is, is silliness. You know, I love would say, I want you to be who you are. That that's the best thing that you can do is, is be who you're created to be and let others be who they're created to be. No judgment. So do you see a prop was, do you see a problem with that in terms of, you know, being in a relationship and being in a marriage because, you know, we have some people that said, well, you know, you know, if I can just, you know, change this person, you know, or conform this person to, you know, who I'm looking for, you know, in a man or woman, would you consider that to be love? I don't think you should ever go into a relationship thinking that you can change anybody. And whether it be a, a, you know, a couple relationship or a friend relationship or a work relationship, you know, any kind of a relationship. Um, I'll tell you, before I went on this journey, I was kind of the queen of unsolicited advice. I could look at somebody's life and go, man, if they just did this one thing, their life would be so much easier. Gosh, if I could tell them this or teach them that, then everything would be great for them. Like it, it would be so much better if they just did things my way. And then after going on this journey and really doing this deep dive into the true meaning of love, I realized that that unsolicited advice is not welcome advice. <laughs> People don't want to hear your advice. You know, if they if they want your advice, they'll ask for it. And even then, you need to be careful because we all are individuals and the answer for me might not be the answer for you or for somebody else. So to go into a relationship thinking that you're gonna change somebody, why? What, love would say, why, why, why do you have to change them? You know, if you have to change somebody, you, you feel compelled, you, you think that that's your job, your duty somehow, maybe that's not the person for you. You know, you find somebody that you're not, looking to fix. It's not your job to fix anybody. You know, you, you love, love somebody for who they are and, and love the differences. You work through the little stuff that has nothing to do with love. That, that stuff you work through. And, and, but then at the same time, change is good in the way that, that hopefully I'm better at this than I was 10 years ago, this thing called life. And hopefully better than 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so I hope that people give me the grace to change, to grow, to evolve, as I give everybody else the grace to change and evolve. You know, I, I think sometimes of, uh, like even with, in my own family, I've got two brothers and there are times we get together that I think, my gosh, you guys, I'm not seven years old anymore. Yeah, I know. I blew it back then. I, you know, whatever I took your sled away from you or whatever. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not going to take your sled, but, but we have to allow each other to not be seven years old anymore. You know, none of us are there where every day should be a day of growth and change. And every year we should be able to look back on last year and go, hi, you know, what, what's better this year? What, what's different this year? What, what happened last year and give each other that grace and uh, yeah, changing people. That's, um, uh, what do they say about fools? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a foolish thing to do, it should, to go into a relationship thinking 
that that's what you should do. That's not love. That is not love. So uh, there are a lot of books that, uh, you know, talk about love, including the uh, uh, self-help books about love and relationships. And now do you have written a book called Love Is. Is there a distinction between this book that you have written and then all the other books that talk about the same thing? Yes, yes. Yeah, there are a lot of differences, actually. Uh, even the way I went about it, the, the poem that I mentioned, you know, the love is patient, love is kind. There are actually 14 is's and isn'ts of love in that poem. And so it took me a little bit longer than a year because I truly focused on one per month. And, and I started out each month with what I thought I was going to find, because some seem so simple, right? Like patient, we know what patience is, you know, we're not honking our horn if we're stuck in traffic, you know, whatever. We're not mad because our kid lost their shoes and it's time to leave for school. We relax, you know, we don't get all uptight. That's what patience is. But love that is patient is entirely different from that. And I figured out that, that you put love is or love is not in front of any word and it changes the meaning dramatically. And that all 14 of those isn't is, is and isn'ts of love are so unique and uh, so deep, so much information for each one that, that even knowing the truth about one or two of them is life-changing, but to know all 14 and then see this beautiful umbrella that kind of covers it all with love, uh, it's it's way different than than any book I've I've read a whole lot of books on love as I was preparing for this and but I also wanted to just be very open to whatever doors opened to me as far as what what love truly is and uh, so much that I've read in books is um, there's some great information out there but it's not necessarily love there there's some great information about how to work through things and relationships and things like that, but, but they're not necessarily love, not, not the true definition of love. Um, okay, so in your uh, quest to figure out what true love is, what's the meaning you know, of it, uh, is that described in this book? It is. It is. I actually, I start out each chapter with what I think I'm going to find that month. And then I tell the story of what happens, what actually happens, the true story of what happens that brings me to realize the truth about that part of love that I was studying for the month. And uh, I'll tell you, it's not a unicorns and rainbows kind of a love book. It is the true gritty stuff that happened to me in Haiti. I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I slept outside with snakes and tarantulas. I got lost on a mile high mountain with a medical student. I had all these things happen. And always at the end of every month, it took me the entire month to really figure out any of them. And so, so I, I start with what I think it is. And then I tell the story and, and that brings me to the conclusion and, and what the conclusion is for that aspect of love. Uh, what was the uh, inspiration behind this book? What inspired you to write this book? Well, really losing my husband and wanting to know the truth about love uh, really inspired me. The fact that 
that it's one of those things that just seems to be not well-defined um, ever. Like a, 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 you hear some things here and there that, wow, that sounds good and that sounds good and that works for them, that works for her, that works for him. But uh, not something that really works for everybody and not something that is really the truth of it. And so uh, it was very interesting to me to figure out month after month after month um, how wrong I was that a lot of what I'd been taught about love wasn't love. A lot of what you see in movies about love or, or books, songs, wherever is not necessarily love and, and what real love is and how life-changing it is to know the truth about love. Uh, what, what are some of the uh, myths that you have you know, run across to uh, in terms of love and, you know, being in love and falling in love? What are some of the myths that you have, you know, ran across? Well, you know, a couple of them we've already talked about that love, there's not, not a number to love and love is not a two-way street. Love is one way, one way only. But love listens more than it talks. I think so often, you know, I, I think about myself. So here I'm this single woman, you know, my husband died when I was 47. And so I've been single for a few years. And so I've dated a little bit and I'll tell you what, I hadn't dated since high school. I met my husband my senior year of high school. So it'd been a lot of years since I dated. And I don't know if it's different now or just because of my age, but sometimes I feel like I'm on a job interview. Like I, like I'm, and I'm the, I'm the one doing the hiring. Like I, I go out with somebody, meet, meet somebody and, and, you know, go out for a cup of coffee or whatever, and then sit and just hear their life story or all, all their attributes on why I should hire them to be my date or whatever. I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. And what I discovered is that that like the very first month that I was doing this, the love is patient. You know, again, I thought I knew what patience was. We all kind of know what patience is, but I discovered that love that is patient is so different than patience. Love that is patience is love that you give to anybody. I, I believe you're supposed to love everybody. If you love everybody, it's just it's such a better way to live, but you love whoever it is you're with in a way that you realize that this is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past and what's in the future is yet to come. This is the moment. And this moment will come and go with or without you. And if you love who you're with, you are 100% here, completely in this moment, rather than thinking ahead about a meeting that you have later or what you need to stop at the grocery store for on the way home or even your rebuttal, the thing that you're gonna say next. You are 100% engaged. And when you are, when you do that, when you show that love, you hear things in a whole different way because you're not listening based on assumptions. You're not listening based on labels that you've put on somebody. You're truly hearing somebody's words. You're, you're really listening and hearing what they have to say. And when you do that, it changes everything. 
it changes everything because you learn things that you never would have learned. You hear things you never would have heard otherwise. When you're half listening, you're half loving. That, that's not love. There's no such thing as half love. So you're, you're not loving. But when you're there and you're really listening, truly listening, that's love. That's love. And sometimes there doesn't need to be an answer. You, you don't need to be, you, you don't have to worry about, gosh, am I getting equal time here? You know, and I'll tell you when I was starting dating and going out and then just kind of listening after a while, I realized uh, after I did this love thing, I thought, you know, I'm listening wrong because they obviously need someone to listen to them. And here I have this opportunity to be one-on-one -on -one with this person and get to know this person. And when I stopped being concerned about whether or not they'd ask me a question about myself, or whether they even knew my name, but just really listened, you know, showed love that is patient and, and just listened to what they had to say. It was fascinating. It's, it's incredible meeting new people and finding out where people come from. I, I love that. I love hearing people's stories and, and the things that are important to them. It's, um, it's, it's wonderful to love that way. So what, what is the key to a successful relationship? The biggest key is to, first of all, know what love really is. Get rid of some of the things that you think you know about love that are not love. Get, get rid of that stuff. Reprogram your mind to understand what love truly is. And, and then love, period. Just love, just love. That, that is the key. Several years ago, I was in a position with my husband where uh, I thought, gosh, I don't know if I need this guy. You know, we, we were married for a couple of years. We had a couple of babies and I'm changing all the diapers and I'm doing all the laundry and I'm making all the dinners and cleaning the house and, and working. I mean, I was overwhelmed. I just had so much going on. And He'd come home from work and he'd put his feet up, you know, and then he'd wander over to the dinner table when I put food on the table and he'd come and eat and then he'd go back over to the TV and click through some channels, maybe fall asleep on the couch. And, and he just became a paycheck to me. I thought, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? It's like I have another kid around, somebody else I have to take care of, somebody else's laundry I'm doing. And do I really want this? Is this how I really want my life to be? You know, do I have to be in this marriage? But then it occurred to me, I want, I wanted a happy marriage. I wanted a happy marriage. And I realized if I was going to have a happy marriage, it was up to me. It was up to me. So I decided right then that I was going to do everything I could to make this man happy. Everything I could. And I didn't put a time limit on it. I didn't say, I'm going to do everything I can to make him happy for six weeks. And if he doesn't start helping me around the house, or if he doesn't show me more love, then I'm out of here. I didn't do that. I just said, I'm going to do whatever I can to make him happy. And so I would go to the grocery store and I'd buy his favorite snack, or I would write him a note before work or uh, make his favorite meal, you know, anything that I could think of just to make him happy. And I'll tell you what, it was not long before things in our relationship changed dramatically. 
changed dramatically and stayed that way. Because like we talked about, love has this special way of working that if you give love, the chances of receiving love back are pretty high, but I wasn't doing it to receive love back. That wasn't my motivation. My motivation was to make him happy. And he in turn did want to make me happy. He in turn did want to love me deeper. And that happened, but what happened even more so was my heart changed for him. I changed. My heart softened toward him. I realized the value of this incredible man that he wasn't just a paycheck. He was so much more than that. And whether he helped, ever helped with laundry or not, it had nothing to do with it. You know, those are the little things you work out in a relationship. But the love that you give should just be love that you give, period. It just should be love that you give. And when you do, great things happen. And I had an incredible marriage after that. And our, our marriage just grew better and better all the time. And uh, that I think is the secret to a great relationship is just give love, just love, just love. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But first you have to know what love really is so that you know how to give it. So, I mean, we see a lot of, uh, you know, relationships and marriages dissolve. And the number one reason I keep hearing why this is happening is because they said, uh, I'm no longer happy with this person. You know, we grown out of love. We went our separate ways. That's, you know, you know, that's what I hear. Right. That they have a unrealistic uh, expectation or of, of what love is. Uh, yeah. You, you brought up some of the reasons why. You know, you you brought up some of the reasons why. You know. You know, people they 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 start off loving each other, but then, you know, they end up breaking apart because they said, "I'm, I'm not happy." So do right. they have like a false, you know, sense of what love is? Yeah, I mean, a absolutely. I think that that is a problem with a lot of relationships is, you know, where do we learn love? We, we learn love from our, our parents, our grandparents, whoever it is that influences our lives, right? That's, that, that's who we learn love from. And, uh, and not everything that's done in the name of love is love or said in the name of love or is called love is love. And so when we get, it's, it's so easy, you know, in a relationship, you start having kids or whatever, life gets busy and, and you can start to feel a little disconnection, but uh, it's easy to come bring back again. You, you don't have to stay in the disconnection. You know, we're all gonna have moments where we feel closer than, than another moment. But if you then, decide that it means that you don't love them like you did or that you're going to withdraw your love then then it's not love that you're withdrawing it's your um it's it's more like like it's um uh you might be withdrawing yourself your desire to be with somebody but but that's not love you know that you're not showing love in that moment you're just thinking that your needs maybe are greater than somebody else's needs and 
or your desires, your wants, or you've changed what you like in somebody or you changed what you think you're looking for. But the reality is when you have somebody special in your life and you have said, I do to that person and you've made a commitment to them, uh, whether you've made a commitment uh, in a church or in a, in a, a courthouse or, or in the woods, you know, and, and it's on paper, not on paper, but, but you're in a committed relationship with somebody. Love, it, love is on you. Love is up to you. And if you decide that you want the kind of love that, that makes you happy, the kind of love that, that puts the butterflies in your stomach and brings joy to your life, that's easy. That's easy. Because you had it at one point in time and all you got to do is draw on it again. All you got to do is go back to that moment, you know, that time when, oh my word, they could do no wrong. You know how it's so funny, right? In relationships, it's like you overlook stuff. You overlook the little stuff for a long time because there are so many things that you love about this person because you love the person, not the things they're doing, but you love the person. And you could care less before you're married that they snore. And then three months into the marriage, it could be driving you crazy that they snore. Well, what is the difference there? Well, the difference has nothing to do with love. You love the person for who they are. The snoring is something they do. That you don't, you might not like the snoring. You know, no, nobody necessarily likes snoring, but that's not the person. The person happens to snore, but that's not who the person is. The person is honest and true and loving and kind. And there's a whole lot of things you can say about people, but they're not their snoring. They're not their um, putting whites and colored uh, laundry together and, and uh, coming out with pink socks and underwear. That's not who they are. That, that's not them. That's just something that they've done. And to separate that, to realize that love is love, period, not conditional on little things that people do, but because of who people are, then, then you can look at your relationship a whole different way. Oh, this, this is, uh, you know, love is a comp, you know, talking about love is very complicated. Uh, so if you really want to know uh, what the essence or true, the true meaning of love is, I do encourage you to get this book, um, Love Is by Kim Sorrell, um, and be open-minded because we can talk about that all day. Uh, but I also want to talk about another book that you have written. It's called Cry Until You Laugh. What's that about? Well, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I went to the bookstore and everything was either very depressing or very medical. And I just, I'd never been through it before. I didn't know anyone who had, I didn't know are there choices to make? What's gonna happen? What's it gonna feel like? What do I do? I didn't know anything. And so I started writing at the very beginning as a way to update family and friends. I am going to the doctor tomorrow, you know, whatever. But uh, it was so much more than that. I, I wrote what I was going through, what, it, what I was feeling, what it was feeling like. And 
you know, the, the medical, the physical, the emotional, the every part of it. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading what I was writing. And I wrote kind of when I felt like it, when I wanted to, and, and uh, when I felt like I needed to, it was very therapeutic. But then I was still writing because I was still going through my journey when my husband was diagnosed with cancer. So I was writing during that time and, and then writing still when he passed away. And so I wrote for about a year. And so it deals with, you know, both cancer and grief and being cared for and caretaking. And I, I named it Crying Until You Laugh because... I really believe that's what you need to do. You know, there were times after my husband was diagnosed that I would just start crying. We, we were home together. We had a great six weeks together, but I, I would just start crying and you would hold me, which is the perfect thing to do, by the way, exact right thing to do. But he would hold me and, and he would say, don't cry for me. Don't cry for me, you know, cry for you. You're, you're staying here, I'm leaving you're staying here. And so don't cry for me. And uh, I know that with grief, with losing somebody, losing, you lose the person, but you also lose the dream. You know, I was going to be this 95 year old woman next to this 99 year old woman sitting on a porch and rockers sipping lemonade and smiling at each other or whatever it is that people in their nineties do sitting on a porch and rockers. And all of a sudden at 47 years old, that was gone. My, my dream for my future, what I thought my future looked like was, was over. And uh, I know that so many people grieve and feel like, um, like you can't laugh again. Like it's almost disrespectful to the, to the memory of the person that you lost to enjoy life again, to laugh again, to find, to find the joy. And I believe the opposite is true. I think it's disrespectful to stay in the sorrow that it's, of course, there are times I still cry. Of course, crying is good. And if you need to cry, cry, but it's also really good to laugh. And, it, and it's honoring to them that they meant so much in your life that, that you have such a desire to enjoy life and to live the life that they no longer are here to live. And, and so cry until you laugh again. Well, would, would that also apply to like a, a maybe a mother-son relationship, a mother-daughter relationship, a parent-child relationship? Would that also apply, you know, as well? Absolutely, 100%. 100%, you know, everybody's grief is their own, right? And, and you can't grieve for somebody and, and never, please never, never judge people who are grieving. You know, everybody's got to grieve their own way and, and figure things out. But I think we also have to give people permission. The people around us who have lost somebody, we have to give them permission to live without judging how they're grieving, without judging how they're living, without judging... Um, that they're laughing, that they're out having a good time. You know, I've, I've heard people be critical before of people going, wow, you know, they just lost their dad. Look, they're out, they're having a good time. What's wrong with them? Well, nothing is wrong with them. Nothing. They're living. 
they're they're here and they're, and they're living and they're honoring who they lost by living and and not crawling into a hole and dying. Um, it it's okay. Let people grieve however it is that they grieve and let people be be who they are and realize that that coming on the other side of that and being able to laugh again is healthy and good and wonderful and and hopefully everybody gets to that point. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, uh, six months today, um, my dad passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, six months uh, today, uh, he died in June, uh, on June 4th. And um, a couple of months before that, uh, when I first took him to the hospital, uh, he told me how proud he was of me because I cared about people more than I care, you know, about myself, you know, that I would give the shirt off my back to someone, you know, that's in need. And for a while, he couldn't understand that. But at that particular time, you know, he understood why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And he wanted me to continue, you know, to do that. You know, did I cry? Yes, I did. You know, I did more than one you know, occasion. But after that, I went right back to work. Uh, the, you know, the podcasting, you know, running a business, running, uh, you know, a nonprofit organization, doing community organizing work. I went back to do what I do best because that's what it, he wanted me to do. Mm, what a beautiful way to honor him. He said, you're the happiest when you do those things. Mm. And those was his last words. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. That's, that's so beautiful. You had a wonderful dad. You can tell he, you know, I don't know what he was like your whole life, but in that moment for him to say some of the most important, beautiful words, uh, that's incredible. And, and, and this is kind of like the whole thing that, you know, that you was talking about. And, you know, um, I have to mention it because uh, it is so relatable to, uh, you know, to your book, um, you know, that, you know, I too, you know, even though I'm the host, you know, of this podcast, you know, that I can be accountable and I can be transparent, mm -hmm. you know, as well. I think that makes for, and I can be, I can be vulnerable as well. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, definitely want to you know thank you for sharing uh these writings you know with us i think it's very important please get these two books that they, they are so life-changing and uh very inspirational and i think it's about time that you know we you know kind of bring those stories you know to life because we know the mainstream media you know, it's not going to do it. That's why we're here. 
you know, to bring those type of stories, you know, to life because they need to be said. You know, who knows that somebody may be watching or someone may be listening. They too may have a story to tell. And we want to hear it. And so with that, I'm quite sure with all of this wisdom, you, you know, that you have, you know, that you also have a lot of speaking engagements. I do speak. I'd love to speak more. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the things that I learned about love. I know the lives that have changed already. You know, I love getting the mail, the email uh, from people that, that have um, read uh, either one of my books and have applied things to their lives and, and the things that it's changed in their lives. And I love hearing the stories. And I just know that, that there are more people that can be touched and, uh, I feel like I've done everybody's homework for them. You don't have to go live on the streets of Haiti for a year <laughs> to, to figure it out. Uh, you can just read the book and, and understand a lot more. And, and I do love being in touch with people and, and hearing from people and speaking and getting out there and, and telling more people. So yes, I'm open uh, for whatever opportunity comes my way. Um, you also a director of a humanitarian organization. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, Rays of Hope International. We're a partnering organization. So we work with people in their own country who have a passion, a vision, a mission to do something to help their own country and just need somebody to walk alongside. So there are people that already understand the culture and the language and the real need, but they need help with a business plan to make sure that that the path that they're going on is right. Or, you know, if, it, if it's a school, they need desks and pencils and books. You know, you can't have a medical clinic without the supplies that you need and a building to be housed in. And so whatever it is that people need uh, to give that helping hand to help see their dream come true. And with always leading towards self-sustainability so that, you know, in the nonprofit world and you work in nonprofit as well, you know how much of it can be chasing dollars to get get the funding that you need to do. The oh thing. yeah, I uh, you know I've been there and done that, and then every year you have this uh, you know this big day called Giving Tuesday. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I I really hate it, and I'm not gonna get into that. But I need to. Yeah, probably... here, yeah, we could probably have a long conversation about that one. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> from, for sure. Oh yeah, uh, but I probably need to, uh, you know, reach out to you as well because you know there are some things that, you know, uh, I would like to do uh, as a nonprofit, but um, I need some, you know, direction and. And you know, and maybe uh, some help. Like for example, uh, um, I need a building to operate from. You know, for example, you know, or uh, you know, I need a van to transport things. Uh, I deal with uh, a lot of uh, senior citizens who, you know, can't get out to you know get stuff like food. Uh, you know, we know in my city that that we are uh, that I am broadcasting 
uh, from that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, food drives and um, drives for, you know, supplies like, uh, you know, when we was dealing with the COVID-19, uh, you know, pandemic, and we had a lot of seniors that cannot, you know, drive to these places because they're not able to, you know, to drive, you know, even they don't have a vehicle or they're not capable, you know, of driving. So they kind of miss out on all of those things. And so, you know, in the past, I, you know, I was able to, you know, you know, bring those resources to them, but, you know, now I am, you know, kind of struggling to do that and I kind of need help with that. Yeah, I would love to talk to you about, about possibilities and for sure. Okay. Um, you know, just, you know, I mean, I, I, I thought I should ask. You know, there, there's a saying, you have not because you ask not. That's right. That's so right. I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking, you know, anybody that will, you know, anybody that will listen to me, you know, and actually, you know, help. So, you know, I, 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 I did it. So we'll see what happens. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it might be good to even do a GoFundMe page. So people have a place that they can go right now and give a donation to help you out with that. Um, I'm not too, I'm not going to say I'm skeptical, you know, about that. I, I'm, you know, I'm not skeptical. I'm just a little bit concerned because, you know, you have a whole lot of people, um, you have a whole lot of GoFundMe pages. Mm -hmm you know, you know, that are out there that, uh, you know, that, you know, is someone's preference, you know, preference, you know, who to give to, you know, it's almost like your story just got to be so compelling, you know, that, uh, you know, you know, they will want to give. Unfortunately, I'm not very, unfortunately, I'm not very good in writing a compelling story. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not very good in doing that. Well, I can tell you, you just spoke a very compelling story. And so you can video a very compelling story too. Or just tape it. I mean, what you had to say is very compelling. And it's so true. I think a lot of things that people don't think about are that seniors don't have a way to go get the, the things that they need. And for you to be wanting to and doing it is amazing. But yeah, you need the tools you need to make it happen. And maybe it's not a GoFundMe page, but the people that are listening that right now say, yes, oh my gosh, I wanna help. I wanna help Keith, how can I help? You just need to have, it'd be great if you had something. If it's not a GoFundMe page, then it's a website they can go to or it's somewhere they can go to be able to donate because you know how it is. People hear about something and unless they act on it right away, it can, it can leave their mind. But right now you just told it so beautifully and I'm speaking about your dad and then who you are as a person and then what you've been doing to try to help people that want to give money uh, to give them a place to be able to do that is awesome. Would be incredible to do. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because uh...
I show you on mute. Keith, I show that you're muted. The little bit of money I have on, you know, on medicine. You know, and we know uh, healthcare in this country, you know, is crappy. Let's just put it that way. It's just real, you know, it's real crappy. Everybody does not, you know, have access to, you know, quality medical care. And it's, uh, recently in the news, we, you know, learned that, uh, you know, we learned that, you know, Congress, you know, is trying to get the, uh, the railroad, railroad workers you know back to work on some mediocre contract and they can't even get no sick days off you know but you have members of congress you know they can take off a sick day whenever they feel like it mm. you and i are not worthy of that that is pathetic that yeah. is that is you know that is pathetic so if, if they're doing that if the government is doing that you know, against uh, working families, you know, imagine, imagine what's in store for you and I, or, or, or maybe, you know, uh, a senior citizen who's on limited income, you know, and they say, you know, well, we're going to look after you, you know, we're going to take care of you. I mean, what is that? Right, right. Yeah, it's tough. So, and another thing I have a problem with, you know, another thing I have a problem with is that we have a lot of nonprofits. There is like they are competing against one another. You know, to see, you know, you know, who's the best, who's doing, who's doing more, you know, who has the coolest staff, you know, who raised the most money I'm, I'm in cry me a river I cannot stand you know that and while we're doing that a lot of people are being neglected their needs are not being met you know all because we're fighting among each you know each other trying to find out who's the best who has the who raised the most money Who's doing more of the work? It's not, you know, it's, you know, it's not about that. You know, in fact, a nonprofit organization is not even about you. And then I, you know, it, you know, it was brought to my attention that some people, you know, are starting nonprofits, you know, organizations just so they can profit off of it. Mm. And I was like, well, it's not a nonprofit organization if you're trying to profit off of it, it's not a nonprofit, you know, and I got people, you know, laughing at me. I say, okay, you know, fine. You know, you know, laugh all you want, but don't call crying to me when the IRS knock at your door. Right. Uh, these are, uh, we, uh, so remember when the, uh, the PPP loans was given out a lot of people, uh, you know, defrauded the government. Mm. You know, and you know, and a lot of these people that have, you know, that said that they had businesses, 
did not have businesses or nonprofits, you know, at all, they spent that money on themselves. And then the majority of that money, you know, went to the, you know, the big corporations, you know, some of them are multi-million dollar corporations. They didn't need that money. But they got it anyway. You know, they say, oh, you know, we love helping people. You know, we love doing that. I'm like, stop lying. I was like, y'all lying. Yeah. And their time will come when they're going to have to be, their time will come when they're going to have to be accountable for what they have done. Mark my word, y'all will be held accountable. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week or next month or next year. But one of these days, y'all will be held accountable for your actions. You know, that's just anything, not just business, but life itself. Right, right. So true. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad to think about, but it's um, also nothing that we can control. You know, I mean, you and I, we just have to do things the way we know is right, what we believe to be true and right. And, and I think there's a whole lot of more people like us that are just trying to do our part. You know, if everybody did something, just think about how the world would be if everybody did something, if everybody did something to help someone, we, we would be in such a different place. And, you know, that's, that's what love is, is it's, it's giving, it's, it's doing what you're doing. It's, it's not for money, but it, it's out of love. The, the love and compassion that you have for people, that's why you wanna help them. And, and you see the need. And uh, we all need to learn from you. We all need to open our eyes more and see the needs around us and fulfill one, help, help people out, help somebody out. And, uh, I think, I think sometimes people don't because they don't know where to go. They don't know where to start or they think it's gonna take so much time or whatever. There can be all kinds of reasons that people give to not do something, but it can start with your neighbor. You know, do you, do you have somebody living in your building or in your neighborhood that, that can't get out for groceries that you could easily do their grocery shopping when you're doing your own, you know, and, and help them out or, even when you're at the grocery store and you see an elderly person who's having a hard time getting their cart to their car and their groceries in, inside their car to help them out. You know, there's so many things that we can do to help each other and support each other and love each other. And uh, it all starts with us. It all starts with, with you and, and me and, and keeping our eyes open and seeing what we can do to, to help people. Uh, so throughout this whole conversation, you mentioned something about love is patient and love is kind. Uh, that actually comes from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the Bible. Right. And I would be remiss if I didn't read this entire uh, uh, chapter. It's like 13 verses. It, it speaks of this. If I speak in tongues of men and angels and and but have no love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, 
but have no love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have no love, I gain nothing. Going to the first verse, fourth verse, excuse me. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. He speaks of love again. So now faith, hope, and love abide. But these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, why is there so much emphasis on love in this chapter? Love, love is everything. Love is everything. If you have love, if you know love, if you live love, you give love, then everything else falls into place. If you were to, to ask yourself with every choice you made, everything you said, every decision, whatever it is in your life, if you were to ask your life, WWLD, what would love do? And you answer that way, you're gonna do the right things. Okay, that is so profound. But listen, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up. It was really great. Uh, I don't know, there may be a part two. Because uh, we know in a couple of months, uh, Valentine's Day is coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, we know, you know, what that's about, at least, you know, what we've been taught. And so, uh, you know, with that, I really believe that needs to be a part two to this. Um, so hopefully we can get you back on, you know, uh, right around that time to kind of expound on some, you know, some more of these things and uh, tell us how your book is going and a whole bunch of other stuff. But if someone wants to get in touch with you, I know you got a nonprofit, you got, if somebody needs help, if, uh, they want to purchase your book, how are they able to get in touch with you? Well, Love Is is the name of the book. And so Love Is is pretty easy to find. It's a kind of a dark blue cover with big white letters, Love Is. And it's available in brick and mortar stores like Barnes and Noble, but it's available online like Amazon and every other bookseller. And so it's, it's pretty easy to find. I am running a, a, holly, a holiday uh, deal on my website right now that um, I will uh, personally autograph 
and uh, put a personal note uh, from you in a gift um, that will be gift wrapped and sent. And uh, so that's available on the website. It's um, $25 that includes everything. It includes the book, the gift wrapping, the mailing, the everything. And so it's a nice, wonderful gift to give the gift of love. And I have that available on my website. You can get to uh, loveis.info or kimsorrell.com. I'm literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world, but it's a little difficult to remember because my last name is a bit obnoxious. It has way too many letters, two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E, kimsorrell.com. But I am on social platforms. I love hearing from people. I love helping any way that I possibly can. I love people. I truly love people. I love you. And uh, so please reach out. And uh, I do have a, for free, a 14-day love challenge on my website that you can sign up for. It's free to sign up for it. It just, every day gives you something to think about, about the truth about love for 14 days. And if you sign up for it, I will send you for free a WWLD, what would love do is banned. And uh, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. I wish I can say the same thing about me. Uh, uh, Keith Williams is just a too common, you know, of a name. It's too many of us. Yeah, you're not the only one. It's too many of us with that name, so. Maybe you need to spell Williams with a Z on the end or something. Uh, well, I wish I could do that, but. <laughs> now um what we do always with our guests is that our guests will have the last word so if there's a last word that you would like to share with the audience i would love to i would love to you know we're, we're coming upon the holidays and and it's so easy sometimes to say oh i love everybody but those darn Republicans, or I love everybody, but those Democrats, let's get rid of the labels this year. You know, let's let's all do this together, this love revolution. Let's make it happen. And it starts with getting rid of labels. Let's take the labels off people and see people just for who they are and love people for who they are and let, let people be who they are. And, and love yourself, love yourself. You're, you're unique, you're the only one of you. If the Mona Lisa went up for sale, who knows how many millions and millions and millions of dollars somebody would pay for the Mona Lisa because it's one of a kind and so are you. You are one of a kind, you are special. There is nobody that has ever been like you, nobody that ever will be like you. You are the only one of you. And so love yourself and, and love others and, and get rid of the labels and let's have a great holiday season. Well, there you have it. Another pearl of wisdom in our midst. Uh, Kim, I just want to thank you for uh, being on the show today. And I actually see the title behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually see the title behind you. Here it is closer. Okay. So, see, I knew it. You know, I, you know, I knew that I knew that this book you know, was based on First uh, Corinthians 13. I knew it. You're so smart. It is. Well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm smart, 
Uh, I'm not gonna say that. Uh, I would say that that was revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Amen, that's good. So, you know, when you immediately said, you know, love is patient, love is kind, I was like, wait a minute, that, that sounds so familiar. But it's, but it's easier said than that, but it sounds so familiar. I, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today. Uh, uh, it was definitely a dose of inspiration. Uh, and I hope it was a dose of inspiration uh, to you as well, the, the audience. But that would do us for today on The Works. I'm Keith Williams, your host. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in. Uh, tune again next Sunday. We have another great guest that will be with us uh, next Sunday. So I hope that you will tune in. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.